0: Well technically All Saints Day is coming up this Tuesday on November 1st, and so here we are this Sunday on the cusp of All Hallows' Eve, commonly known from the Anglo-Saxon as Halloween. But what is it all about? Why is this a principal feast of the historic church? Why is this a major day of celebration and a day where we historically baptize? Well, the answer is that we, as human beings, need a humbling reminder and an encouragement that we are merely a small portion of the church. And not just of the church around the world, but the church of time. A church of some 2,000 years. And a church that will extend beyond us. That's why we celebrate All Saints Day, amongst other things. It's easy to have too small of a vision of the church as our spiritual mother. I was excited to see that The Chosen, that TV series, is about to add new episodes. And while there are artistic liberties taken, the series demonstrates very well the humble beginnings of the church. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I'm not somebody that jumps on these kinds of bandwagons, as many of you know. But this is a worthwhile thing to watch. Because it reminds us of the humble, ordinary people behind the marble, behind the stained glass windows. Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself is portrayed as a very real human, as well as the Son of God. And He's seen calling flawed men, like Matthew, the tax collector, and Peter and Andrew, the fishermen, to come to the way of discipleship, to the way of following himself. The devotion of Mary Magdalene, whom the prayer book and the church honors as equal to the apostles, by the way, in her feast on June 22nd, is also a touching story. It's refreshing to see the Gospel in its early simplicity and the excitement of the Jews as they first encounter their long-awaited Messiah, something that we commend every year in the church during Advent. And so, friends, I I commend the series to you But at the same time, this humble view of the embryonic stage of the church needs to be balanced in the modern Christian's mind with the magnificence of what God has done through the Holy Spirit in His church for some 2,000 years since Christ's ascension. The grand ritual, the spectacular architecture, the stained glass and marble, yes, the music, the art-inspired by God's covenant people, by the Holy Spirit, through the centuries of the church, showing its diversity of time and place is no small thing either. And so that balance is found today in our readings appointed. It's by the grace of God calling, equipping, and in giving further grace to persevere... That ordinary human beings, people like you and me, as we sang in that opening hymn, become saints in all generations. And when called, are faithful to bleed and die and live in the service of God. In the service to his church, what Ephesians calls Christ's bride. That's why our first reading from Ecclesiasticus, which is also known as Sirach, is one of the appointed readings today. And so I invite you to look at it with me. And I need a bulletin. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Oh, the censor, actually. Thank you. Look with me at Ecclesiasticus, the first reading, verses 1 through 7. Let us now praise famous men and our fathers in their generations. The Lord apportioned to them great glory, His majesty from the beginning. They were those who ruled in their kingdoms and were men renowned for their power, giving counsel by their understanding and proclaiming prophecies. Leaders of the people in their deliberations and understanding of the people's learning wise in their words of instruction Those who composed musical tunes and set forth verses in writing rich men furnished with resources living peaceably in their dwelling places all these were honored in their generations and were the glory of their times Do you see what this reading from the apocryphal book Is telling us is that God's acting in us is not something new and to him goes all the glory and honor through how we are obedient to him glorifying him with the gifts he's given us these verses highlight how God used men and women throughout the centuries even before Christ in covenant and the reading from Revelation reminds us of the same thing that at the end of time, and currently now, we will be gathered around the throne. Look at Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, particularly the beginning of our New Testament reading. After this, St. John writes, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, men and women from all nations and all peoples will stand around the throne of God. There's a special place, Scripture tells us, for the martyrs who have shed blood in tribulation, in persecution for God and His church. And so it's entirely appropriate and good that baptisms are done here on this All Saints Day. Because in baptism, God pours out His grace from the beginning as water in the lifelong process of salvation that it's justifying and making the child or adult acceptable to God by faith and sanctifying and making that person also holy in faith as a new Christian. In baptism, we are counted part of Christ's own and have been given the Holy Spirit. That's Scripture's promise to us. And having baptism on All Saints Day reminds us that as Christians, we have a destination. You have a destination. And Adolisa, whom we baptize today, has a destination, a final destination of glory with the saints of light around the throne of the Lamb. It also reminds us that as Christians, we have a charge to keep. An important charge to persist in the faith, to proclaim the faith, to bring others to know and love Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Finally, good news from the Gospel of Matthew reminds us that the world, what the world sees and values is not usually what God sees and values in human beings. The world typically does not see the poor in spirit or the humble as those to value or emulate or even a way to be happy. The world does not see the meek, those who are quiet but strong as valuable. The world does not typically see those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as people to emulate, although on occasion it sees that. The world does not typically see The pure in heart, that maintaining a singleness of heart devoted to God is something to value. And yet, Jesus values that and promises happiness with it. The world does not see peacemakers as people who are great. And yet, that's who God values. The world does not see being persecuted for righteousness' sake as a good thing. Sometimes even the church struggles with seeing that as a good thing. And yet Jesus says, such are supremely happy and blessed. Because that's what the Greek word here, mekureoi, means. Happy, eternally contented and blessed are such people. The poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger for righteousness, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted for righteousness' sake. How can such people be blessed? How can such people be happy? Well, because it is in such circumstances that they see God clearly. It is in such circumstances that the Father provides their every need. It is in such circumstances that the Christian learns what it means to have what we talk about every Sunday and the words that I bless you with as you go forth in the name of Christ every Sunday, the peace of God which passes all understanding. to you see, in those trying circumstances, we have no choice but to depend on God. And so we see Him more clearly. And so we are blessed. And we are happy eternally in that. It's how St. Paul could write to the Philippians, while in chains, I have learned... In whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Notice St. Paul there is talking both about the lean times and the rich times because both have their pitfalls. Both have their temptations. He finishes, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It is in having that peace that passes understanding that God blesses and makes happy the ordinary Christian in his ordinary life and causes him or her to excel and do wondrous things beyond ordinary life. It is all, friends, done by God's grace. At work in us. The justification, the sanctification, eventually the glorification, all done by God's grace that He supplies for our every need. It's how fishermen like Peter and Andrew become apostles. It's how a sinful woman like Mary Magdalene becomes a saint. It's the story of God's people. It's your story. It's my story. It's Adelisa's story. All the saints known and commemorated, are, all the saints that are known and are commemorated throughout the calendar year are not the ones we're celebrating today. But the ones we're celebrating today are those martyrs and saints, big S saints, those whom God has brought great glory and we should emulate throughout, throughout the year that don't have their own days, that don't have their commemoration because their deeds are known to God alone. That's what All Saints Day is about. Those who have gone before us, who lived and died and did great things by the grace of God, but whose stories have been lost. And that's why, again, Ecclesiasticus says they have, quote, no memorial who have perished as though they had not lived they have become as though they had not been born, and so have their children after them. But God sees them. God knows. And his opinion is the one that matters. And so it is into this family of saints, known and unknown and faithful, that God, by his grace, brings Adelisa today in holy baptism. It is is truly a godly and great heritage to be part of the kingdom of God and the family of God. Don't forget it. In his work, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis writes, one of our great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me, I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible with an army and with banners. That, I confess, is a, spectacular, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. You see, in that great work, if you're not familiar with it, C.S. Lewis has generated conversation between two demons, a lesser demon and a greater demon. And as to the temptation of human beings, in the conversations that ensue, they go back and forth about the weaknesses of the church and about individual Christians. It's actually a great comical work if you've never read it. Read read the screw tape letters. But what he's saying here is that often the church needs to be reminded That you're not alone, that you're not just a few people gathered together, although it is a wonderful number here today, and that you span the centuries joining with those who have been saved by faith through grace across the millennia. On All Saints Day, friends, we remember that, we see that, and we're to take it to heart or to take it with us, to be humbling that we are privileged to be part of such a family and also to be encouraging that we have our time and our day and our charge to keep. May the Lord grant us the grace to be faithful in our day. And may the Lord grant Adelisa the grace to persist as we will pray to the end of her days as his own daughter. On All Saints Day, we remember this. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you have knit us together with your elect in this mystical communion. We ask, Lord, indeed, that you would pour out your grace upon each of us today. That we might walk forward doing the works that you have prepared for us to do, praising your name, proclaiming your gospel, and being further refined by you to see the day of glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.